Hello and welcome to episode six of the Beer Prime podcast. This week I'm going to be joined by James from London Beer Factory. But first, let's start off with the latest news in beer. Last time I reported on the Aldi ripoff version of Brewdog's Punk IPA. Then Brewdog responded in kind by showcasing a mock up can named Yaldi with an approximation of the supermarket's logo. Um, at that point, we were not sure if they were actually brewing this beer or just having a laugh. Well, a few days later, they announced that they are brewing the beer, now called Ald IPA, so Aldi BA, um, and are selling it in Aldi stores. With the speed of the appearance of this beer, the cynics amongst us may think that the whole thing was a PR stunt, but those are the cynics. Um, Marble Brewery, um, based in Manchester, will be my guest on the next podcast due to be released on Wednesday, 16th of September. They're in the news recently. Unfortunately, they had to close their bar at 57 Thomas Street in the Northern Quarter. However, the good news is that the bar has been taken over by Scottish brewery Fierce and has reopened today as Fierce Bar Manchester, keeping the same team in place. So good luck to Fierce. The next piece of news is about the camera festival glass faux pas. A tweet went out last week with a photo of the festival glass for the virtual Great British Beer Festival next week. The glass featured images of COVID-19 cells and the tweet was immediately the subject of many disgusted comments about how inappropriate the choice of design was. This festival organizer followed this up with a sorry if you were offended non-apology. And to this date, there's not actually been a proper apology. Many people that I've seen have said that they are just simply not going to use the glass. The Bristol Craft Beer Fest 2020. So with all these virtual beer festivals going on, next week, the Bristol Craft Beer Festival will be taking place actually in person, which is great. Uh, Southwest breweries such as Arbor Owls, Bristol Beer Factory, Fierce and Noble, Good Chemistry, New Bristol Brewery, Wild Beer Co., Wapper and True, Lost and Grounded, and Left-Handed Giant are all joined by other UK breweries such as Northern Monk, Mondo, Burnt Mill, Daya, and The Colonel, and also some international breweries such as Lervig, Tuol, Duggars, Amundsen, and Pohalla, plus many, many more. Tickets, I think, are still available for the Friday and Sunday sessions, and they're available at bristolcraftbeerfestival.co.uk. Right, okay. So moving on to what I've been drinking over the last couple of weeks. Last week I was in Bristol. Um, we visited uh, Bath, the Cotswolds, and South Wales too. And I visited the tap rooms of the Bristol Beer Factory, Tiny Rebel in Newport, and Wild Beer Co. at Wapping Wharf. I did record those visits, and so shortly I'll be replaying those recordings. So I'll talk there about the beers that I was drinking on those occasions. I got through a fair amount of beers um, that week, um, uh, besides the ones in those visits. Drank a few pints of Buckcombe Original, um, which is a local uh, brewery down in, uh, in Bristol. Um, and many pubs uh, simply have that as their, as their main option on cask, other than the likes of uh, London Pride or Doom Bar and things like that. So I had a few pints of that, as well as uh, a Cheddar Ales um, beer called Potholer, which was really nice. Um, prior to visiting the Bristol Beer Factory, um, we were in the pub in the Cotswolds having Sunday lunch, and they had the Bristol Beer Factory's milk stout, so I had a couple of pints of that to, to enjoy that beer. Um, and then we're at another pub 
and we had a pint of uh, crack hops, which was from local brewery Twisted Oak. Also on the list for the last couple of weeks were uh, beers by Burnt Mill, uh, one called Bitter Lake. Uh, Vocation, a couple of beers from them, Breakfast Club 2.0, which I really enjoyed, and also Double Attitude, which was a good beer too. I had the Gypsy Hill Bandit and Rooster Babyface Assassin. Um, and of course, I also had a couple of beers from last episode's guest, North Brewing Co. Um, I had Future Days and Hollow Hills, both of them really nice IPAs. I also had a beer from Elusive Brewery, uh, based just next to or just by Siren Craft Brew as well, and that was called Spellbinder. Talking of Siren, on the way back from the Bristol holiday, we stopped off at Siren Craft Brew because I had an order of hard pour Broken Dreams to pick up. That's their nitro version of Broken Dream. I met with Matt, who was my guest back on episode two, and he showed me around. I did record it, but unfortunately, the audio didn't come out too well. Both of us were wearing masks, and the brewery was in full production, so it was very noisy. Matt showed me around and I saw their spin bot, which is a cool piece of kit, which allows them to use adjuncts in a way which ensures that they make contact with 100% of the beer. And it only takes a few days as opposed to the several days that it can take if the adjuncts are put into the brew. Uh, we also saw their new canning line, the one which allows for the nitro canning. But unfortunately, it wasn't in use, but it was uh, good to see the vast scale of, of the canning line. I also saw their barrel store which is storing all of their beautiful barrel-aged beers. Uh, yesterday, I had one of their Nitro Broken Dreams, and it's a great twist on the already amazing beer. It makes it just so much more smoother and creamier. Okay, so let's move on to the recordings of my taproom visits, starting with the Bristol Beer Factory. Okay, I'm in the Bristol Beer Factory taproom on North Street in Bedminster, Bristol. Um, it's on the main street, uh, got some great art outside and inside um, lots of Bristol Beer Factory beers on the, in the shelves ready to buy and they've got nine or no ten taps for draft beer and I'm looking um, at the beers at the moment. I'm going for an Independence US Pale at 4.4%. Um, and my wife is going for the Delray Beach, um, which I think is a US pal as well, but less hoppy because she doesn't really like hoppy beers. But I'm going to try them both because uh, I'm sure that I'll be finishing off most of her beer anyway. So right in the middle we've got the Independence, which I'll pop there. Great, we've thank you. We've got the, um, this one here, which is the Delray Beach, the least hoppiest, and then we've got the Lemonade, which I'll be as well. Wonderful, thank you. No worries, thank you. Okay, let's try these beers. Mm, yeah, lovely and piney, citrus. I'm going to try the Delray Beach as well. Want to swap? <laughs> Are you for about nine? No. That's the Delray Beach is on cask, and you can tell obviously it's served at the, the right temperature for cask. Um, whereas the Independence is on keg. 
And I think I'll be drinking both of them. My wife is indicating that she doesn't want either. So, good for me. Okay, so we're at Tiny Rebel and the brewery bar, and it's got a lovely, great big outdoor terrace. Today is a clear and quite sunny day, but it's still quite windy, so it alternates between being nice and warm out here and a little bit, uh, a little bit cold, but it's still a lovely place to be. Um, they've got three great big tanks um, with the logos for um, Club Tropica, Kutch and Stay Puffed. Uh, over to my left um, and I believe they are actually the tanks um, holding uh, the, the beers. Then um, there's a shop inside, we haven't actually gone inside yet at all. Um, I think obviously because of coronavirus um, I'm, we're probably not going to be able to go in there. We've ordered everything from the table, it's a really good system. They take your temperature as you come in and then show you to a table. The table number is on a bottle of Tiny Rebel um, hand sanitizer, which I think is probably even the hand sanitizer they've, they've done themselves, I should imagine. Um, and you get a little card with a QR code on. You scan the QR code on your phone and you're taken to the website um, with a list of all the options that they have. Place your order and they bring it straight to your table, which is fantastic. Um, I've ordered a few thirds. Um, I've ordered a third of Pump Up The Jam, Cali Pale Ale, Club Tropica and $5 Shake. So looking forward to having all of those. They should be coming to my table very soon. Okay, so the beers have arrived and uh, when they said that all four were for me, I didn't actually identify them. <laughs> but I can identify the Pump Up The Jam. Obviously that's quite clear because of the, the colour of it. Um, the $5 shake, because it's got lactose um, and also is cask, I'm guessing it's the one to my far left. I know you can't see these, but because uh, it's not as cold and it's uh, quite creamier. And the two in the middle are obviously the Cali Pale and the Club Tropicana. But I'm going to try them, so I'm going to try the, the $5 shake. Mm, yeah, lovely and creamy. Definitely a gorgeous mouthfeel on that, and but you can tell that, that you can taste the citra as well. That's really good. Then I'll show you the second one. I think this is Club Tropica, but I'll have a look. No, the second one was the Cali Pale. Believe, yeah, that was nice. And then the third, I'll try as Club Tropica. Yep, and then pump up the jam, my favourite of the ones that were on on draft. Yep, tasting great, um, especially in dra on draft, that's tasting a lot better than the last can I had as well actually, really nice. Okay, so we're at Wild Beer Co at Wapping Wharf. It's an absolutely horrible day outside at the moment, really, really tipping it down, so it's a great excuse to stop in for a couple of beers. Um, the place is really quite nice inside. It's got place uh, space for about 50 people, I'd say, um, if it wasn't for COVID restrictions. They're very good with COVID um, scanning QR codes when you come in for the um, for track and trace and for menus, table service, no, no going to the bar, and um, one-way system to go to the toilet. 
But in terms of beer, they've got quite a really good range of taps on. I think they've got a lot of their own beers, some ciders, and also some guest beers. I've gone for four thirds. I've gone for a third of Quantic, which is their crisp, dry, and light, everyday, sessionable yeast beer made with lager yeast. Um, millionaire, because you can't go into a wild beer place and not have Millionaire. It's a beautiful, beautiful drink. Then No Water, which is a chocolate orange and whey and milk stout. So that sounds quite interesting. I love stouts and I love chocolate orange, so interested in that. But then no, they don't use water, they just use whey from their neighbours at Westcombe Dairy. Um, and they've had a, he a heap of chocolate and orange zest to make this one-of-a-kind beer zing. So that sounds interesting. And then I've gone for a third of Beyond Modus, which is their barrel-aged blended special edition of 2019. Uh, it's the sixth iteration of their annual winter blend. Project is brewed as an old English ale, or an English old ale, I'm sorry, Asian burgundy, burgundy, red wine, and bourbon barrels separately, then blended to become modus operandi, a mixed from barrels across several ages and vintages. So those are going to be some very interesting beers. We'll see you when they come. Okay, so the beers have arrived, and the first one I'm trying is Quantic. So it's a session IPA, but it's not very bitter. Um, again, citrus and pine definitely. And so brewed using a lager yeast. So it's not very bitter. It's using lager yeast. It's not really a session IPA. But it's uh, still an enjoyable drink. It's 4.2%, no sorry, 4.7%. And uh, it's definitely very sessionable. Okay, so I'm on the Millionaire now, and I've had that plenty of times, obviously, so I don't really need to uh, taste this for the first time, but it's a great beer, and it's really nice to drink it from draft as well. Um, I think it's 4.7% ABV, but it packs a punch um, for, for a sub-5% beer. Lots of uh, chocolate, cocoa nibs, uh, they use sea salt as well, and caramel, but to help with the salty caramel taste. Obviously a lot of the chocolate is coming from the malts. They're using Munich chocolate, crystal, caramel, carafe special one malts. So that's where that all that chocolate is coming from. Right, so now on to no water. It's an interesting prospect. It's uh, used, it's called no water because they use whey instead of water. They use whey from the neighboring farm, uh, the Westcombe Dairy Farm. Although I'm in the city centre of Bristol at their tap room, the brewery itself is based in Somerset, near Shepton Mallet, uh, on a farm. And of course they've got the dairy farm next door, and they're using whey from, from that farm. So let's see what that gives to it. Um, the malt profile is the same as Millionaire, although they're using different hops, your German Comet hops, and an L yeast. And of course, other than the whey, they've also got chocolate, uh, sorry, cocoa nibs, cocoa powder, and orange zest added. So if you give it a long, deep smith, long, deep smith, definitely getting the chocolate, uh, the orange, yeah, well, yeah, I'll get the chocolate, but definitely getting the orange zest as well. And if I taste it, yeah. Definitely a really velvety mouthfeel. Lots of chocolate. And I'm really getting that chocolate orange. When it first came and I 
took a little sip of each one of them uh, first, just a, just a touch before sort of delving into them. I didn't get the chocolate uh, orange quite so much, the, the orange part of it quite so much. But as I've drunk the first two beers, and this one has had the opportunity to warm up a little bit, I'm really getting that orange now. Um, and it's very, very nice. So the final beer then is Beyond Modus. Um, it's a lot punchier than the others, 8% ABV, and it's been barrel aged and is also using uh, Brett as one of the yeasts, so, and, and in fact Saison yeast as well, so it's a really funky beer, um, and it's very sour as well. Uh, a lot of rich fruit flavours, um, and very acidic, but it's really tasty it's really nice and although I don't think a, a beer this hour would have been mine earlier and wouldn't have been the kind of beer a beer like this wouldn't have been the kind of beer I would have gone for so so much time ago but um, I'm getting used to the sours and this is probably in the ballpark sourness wise as some of the ones I've not liked before I don't think I could have more than a third of it to be honest though so uh, I'll enjoy this right now right so let's get on with the show and here's my guest from london beer factory it's james okay so i'm here with james from london beer factory hello james how are you hi how you doing paul yeah i'm good so uh james uh, explain a little bit about your role in the brewery so i'm the uh, marketing manager i look after all our sort of marketing needs whether that be you know social events i'm across the board i'm also our um our branding guy so I do all the designs and I have done uh, for the last two years uh, really my role I came in and I helped rebrand the London Beer Factory from what it previously was and I've just taken that role naturally to uh, the end we are at now. Fantastic yeah you're mentioning the old branding um, that was the the one that looked like the Battersea Power Station with two bottles of beer that's right, the That's logo, the, yeah. The old logo, right. So, yeah. so you're in charge of branding over to what we're seeing on our cans now. Exactly, yeah. So um, I worked with an agency uh, to help design the logo, uh, which is kind of a riff on the, on the factory, you know, uh, logo we had previously. Mm. So it's got the beer drop in the center of the logo and it still has the sort of, you know, factory cladding that's quite visible. Yeah. Uh, um, but apart from that, I've since sort of sprung out on my own and uh, almost everything you see is something that I made. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, obviously, you know, the, the old branding, the old logo was, was nice because, you know, it had that kind of London feel to it. But yeah. what you've done, certainly with the new logo, as you said, you've, you've kept the same kind of style, but it's now more modernised. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, 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 the kind of drop crossover kind of part of it, I, I'd never really considered that as a as a beer drop so no, right. i'll never yeah. look at it the same again now that you've said that um and yeah and and, and uh, the can designs are always quite funky lots of colors yeah uh for sure like um we just try to keep it uh i guess kind of fun and abstract and flexible and um i just play around i guess you know with colors and uh mm. there's not the Photoshop involved. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're uh, we've kind of hit our pace with uh, with that side of things. Okay, so um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm drinking, and I think you are as well, one of your yeah. core beers. In fact, your flagship beer, Hazy Days. Yeah, yeah, our uh, flagship session IPA. Absolutely. And I'm drinking from a glass, but uh, I know that your can design, the 360-degree cans, yeah. means that um, people can pop open a can and not just drink from a can obviously you know anybody can drink from any of the can designs but yep. the way it's designed is so that the whole top part of the can comes off virtually um but then the the the, uh, the the drinker can experience those aromas coming fully through from the beer yeah for sure i mean that's one aspect that you don't really get to appreciate with the traditional uh can design um mm. poking a nostril through that tiny little hole doesn't really work no, but exactly. with, with ours, it's it's really great to yeah it really opens up the aromas if anything it kind of focuses them um it's easier to drink from i find personally there's no, absolutely. No, yeah there's no bugging when you pour as well which is something people uh neglect and uh super easy to rinse out when you recycle as well yeah it's amazing why more breweries are, are not using using these yeah, I mean, the reason behind that is um, not every can manufacturer can offer it. It's, uh, it's uh, patented by the specific manufacturer uh, crown that we use. Right. So um, that's, that's the why. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not one for drinking from the cans if I can help it. Um, but certainly the way that this is designed, it does make it, as you said, a lot better for a drinker. To, to drink from the can and fully appreciate the, every aspect of the beer as well, not just, not just the flavor. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about the history of the brewery. London Beer Factory was founded by uh, two brothers, Sim and Ed Cotton, uh, back in 20, 2014. Uh, primarily, it was sort of a cask forward, traditional uh, brewery, the branding represent you sort of you know emphasized that, and we moved from beers that were kind of like you know bitters and blondes and uh, English pale ales. Uh, we've sort of transitioned from that to more sort of modern keg led brewery we are now. Mm-hmm. Other sort of big milestones for our brewery, you know, like our barrel, barrel program, which was started back in 2018, um, being inducted into Tesco which was again a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've really helped, you know, sort of punctuate and milestone the, uh, the, the brewery. Okay, yeah. And um, you mentioned the barrel project. You've got the tap room in Bermondsey, um, but that sort of doubles, I guess, as the barrel store for all those um, barrels, but also place for people to come and drink your beers. Do, do you have um, some of your core beers there as well? Or is it only the barrel aged beers that are Oh, the- it's, it's all our beers. So we've, we're actually, we're in such a great position right now because the entire 24 tap list is all London Beer Factory beers, which is awesome to wow. see it's the first time we've had that. Uh, half the board is, you know, wild fermented, mixed fermented or barrel aged beers. And then the other half is like our fresh stuff. So it's our core range beers and it's our specials from the last few months. Yeah. So it's like this uh, really great selection, I think, um, that's kind of almost unique to uh, to Bermondsey Beer Mile, having such a sort of focus on the mixed firm and alternatively fermented beers. Absolutely. I've, I've visited just the once. Um, I, I mean, I've done the Bermondsey Beer Mile a few times, but this occasion I wasn't actually doing the Beer Mile. I was going to 
the 2019 version of the Cask Festival, oh, yeah. um, which was at that point held in Bermondsey. This year it, it moved to Peckham, but it was in Bermondsey and it was in a venue that was just around the corner from the Barrel Project Tap Room. Um, my friend who was going to the, uh, the festival with me was a little bit late uh, on the train, so I thought I'd pop in and have a starter. You know, you... Yeah. I was going to a beer festival. I knew that I was going to be drinking lots of uh, lots of beers and lots of strong beers, but you know, the way to start that off is going somewhere else and drinking more. Beer, <laughs> yeah, <course>. right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I did enjoy it. But it was it was really busy. It was really really packed, um, which awesome, is a good yeah. Thing. Obviously, as I said, this was this was early 2019. So you know, any thought of places being quite so packed and quite so busy are maybe a little bit uncomfortable. It's something that we want to obviously see again soon, but. At present, it's uh, it's a bit tricky. Sure. How are you guys yeah. handling that? Well, um, the Barrel Project is kind of unique. Well, in that it's also a production site. It is our blendery. It's not just the barrel store. It's not just the tap room. We're we're actively, you know, using the site to make the beers as well. Mm. So while you know we were in the real throes of COVID and lockdown, um, that's kind of what it became. It became you know a bottling line. It became right. You know everything that's associated with the with the blending side of things, and uh, we've sort of moved. We've we've moved uh, we've moved on from that. We're not back to full opening hours. We're not back to um, exactly the heave of uh, a Saturday on the Bermondsey Beer Mile. Mm. Um, we're getting there. You know, table service is full up most weekends. I'm yeah. Happy with it. We're bringing in what we can. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's the issue that the whole industry is having to to live with at the moment, and um, yeah. hopefully that won't be too much longer before things are back to normal. Let's keep our fingers. No, and, and everyone on the mile is is being really supportive of each other, and and, and not just the breweries. You know, um, our MP as well has helped us out. We've we've had extended licensing, and we're able to spill out onto the street with um with our with our tables, and it's actually right. been. Really positive atmosphere surrounding it to the extent that it can yeah I, I think i saw a petition on twitter yeah asking uh for the area to be pedestrianized on saturdays that's right yeah um simon from hawks cidery just next door neighbors to us is mm. kind of leading the charge on that and we think yeah that would be that would be a great initiative for for, for us yeah no absolutely would Okay, fantastic. Well, fingers crossed that things go things go better with that soon. Um, yeah. Also, when I was uh, looking around on on your website and particularly the Barrel Project, I noticed about the mobile cool ship. Oh yeah, that yeah, was, that was pretty pretty cool. If you, if you pardon the expression, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we're really proud of that. Um, we were the first guys in the UK to um, to build a like a purpose-built mobile cool ship. We always wanted, like our ambition was always to um, to experiment in that wild arena. Mm. Uh, but we knew that London could be quite limiting. And we also wanted to bring that sort of um, experience, uh, know-how to other breweries around the UK, guys who may, not, who may just like be dipping their toes in mixed ferment stuff. Mm. So uh, the cool ship idea was... Uh, was the sort of brainchild of uh, Brett, uh, who was our barrel master at the time, coming from um, from Beavertown, 
and uh, we crowdfunded for it. I believe we raised something like 15,000 pounds. This was back in 2018, which enabled us to get Gravity Systems to build the cool ship and hire a Toyota Hilux, which it was purpose-built for. We've had a couple of seasons with it, um, which has been cool. So we've been up and down the country. We've been to um, guys over in Wales, Wilderness. We've been to Abbeydale up in Sheffield. We've got plans to tour up in Scotland this year. Mm. So uh, it's a really exciting thing. that We'll bring more of it. And uh, the ship beers themselves, some of them are tasting really good. Excellent. So, you know, it's going to reap its fruit too. Fantastic. And, and th- for those that don't know, a cool ship is something that, that collects the yeast that just is naturally in the, in the air. In the atmosphere, yeah, the atmosphere. sure, exactly. Yeah. As, as the wort is cooling, it enables the yeast to, um, to yeah, look in there and eventually ferment the beer and get all those tasty little microbes going. Excellent. And so the beers that you're producing from those are all given I, I guess yes the lack of a better word a, a kind of theme for, for that for that area yeah i know what you're saying yeah it's um, it's almost like the ultimate expression of terroir if you wanted to put it in that term uh we have noticed with some of the beers actually that that where we are um collecting these yeasts from it, it's really starting to shine through in 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 the beer so we've done a couple of cool ships in um a winery just north of london in enfield uh-huh which means that we've been collecting all those like um, vineyard grape, the grapes and the, and the field and everything. All those, all those were like wild cultures which have made them put their way into the beer. Yeah. And, and you can start to taste the, those characteristics. You can taste little things like even if, uh, if, we had a, if we had a bonfire on the night, you know, you can actually start to taste smoky characteristics to the beer. <laughs> It's incredible what we, what what we do, what we can do with this, and sort of the permutations that are involved. Yeah. yeah, and it'll be so interesting when the project, you know, is a few years down the line, and we've collected yeasts from all over the country. You know, we're talking like southwest to northwest to north to northeast. You know, and comparing those, comparing them across years. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's it's really exciting, and uh, we, I think we're the only guys doing it at the moment. Fantastic. Oh, that's, that's something to be proud of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so talk us through uh, the rest of your core range then. So as, you, as I said, we're, we're drinking the Hazy Days, a beautiful session IPA, really enjoying it at the moment. Um, what are the other the core range beers that, uh, that we can find? So we've got Sour Solstice is another core range beer. It's also available uh, nationally in Tesco. It's a uh, blood orange and cranberry kettle sour. Uh, 4.8% I believe uh, that's um, got all your typical sort of you know uh, kettle sour qualities and we've got the addition of the sort of really dry uh, cranberry and the nice pulpy blood orange so it makes for a real nice combo there um, big milk stout which is our vanilla and cacao nib um, stout at 7.5% also available in Tesco uh fuzzy recall which was a collab we did with um a danish brewery uh gamma that's a new england ipa that uh we're really proud of we think we've really nailed that one um it's uh 6.3 uh coming in with some some hops that uh at the time like were pretty new to the sort of you know widely distributed beers so like idaho seven and cashmere yeah 
we thought added like really punchy tropical and dank flavors to the to you know the uk supermarket uh, shelves they're all great beers i've had all apart from the south solstice i've had all of those um but i will try i will try the south solstice as yeah. as we were we were chatting earlier when, when I, I came to the brewery to to pick the beers up we were chatting about sours um and how i wasn't uh, i wasn't a fan until this year and of of They've grown on me, and I've had some pretty good ones. So I will. I'll be looking forward to to drinking that to drinking that one. But yeah. I'm also you you you've given me um, another sour to try, which is I'd rather screech. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an odd name. And I'm sure there's a story behind that. Oh, like many beer names, it's uh, a brewery in joke that just got out of hand and made its way onto a label. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this one i mean every every brewer everyone who's worked in a brewery or visited one will will uh will sympathize with the squeege <laughs> okay. all right okay let's give this a go i've i've seen the uh the photo of it let's say very dark red yeah it, really obviously bloody. as as the the fruits used uh, in the sour are uh, blackcurrant, raspberry, and blackberry. Yeah, so, so the fruits of the forest theme. Yeah. So obviously the, the colors are coming through there. And wow, yeah, that looks very striking. Very, very dark red. Very, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, nice pink foamy head as well. So I'm going in. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's really nice. You can... You can definitely taste the uh, the forest fruits, as you said there. What are you getting? And and I think this is a very good example of the sours that I've started to like because I think my issue was that the ones that I'd had before were just too sour. Um, right. But uh, the ones that I've enjoyed strike a right balance between being sour but not over the top. Um, yeah. and uh, i think this one definitely fits into into that category it's very nice yeah i think um brewers are finally sort of nailing the uh the lactose in the in the sours there mm. Mm. no that's that is very very good so um let me ask you a bit about um your favorite beers if if you're on a, a desert island and you can only drink three beers you can have unlimited supply of them Bit of yeah, a yeah. desert island, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can have only three beers. What what would you go for? Okay, uh, the first beer that comes to mind is a pint of Timmy Taylor's. Right, it's a desert island. You got okay. to ask. <laughs> yeah, landlord for sure. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, that's such a like iconic beer. Um, everyone's got their sort of experience of it um it's always right up there so i take that straight off the bat that covers my uh, cast section mm -hmm. um next up i would take probably a beer that um i was only introduced to fairly recently but for many people will be quite familiar um left hands pink flamingo it's a nitro um, raspberry blondale that I had when I was over in Denver visiting uh, for a craft beer conference uh, back in 2019. Mm -hmm. 
was, yeah, like a very long time ago, but it's just this super delicious, super refreshing um, beer that you could just like drink endless amounts of. And it's so much fun and it presents so nicely. It's, a, it's like an absolute marketer's dream and it just tastes so great. <laughs> wow. I've, I've, not, I've not had that one, but... Yeah, it's one to look at. You can get it. You can get it. Uh, it is imported to the UK. Right. Okay. Um, number three, let's go for something a bit more local. Um, how about uh, our, our sort of um, one of our newer beers is uh, Dawn, which is our house blend of um, our house wild ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of like a project that's finally come to fruition over the last year or so. And it's, it's everything that a golden sour ale should be. It's uh, super approachable as well. So we're really pleased to like try and get it out there and get more people drinking, drinking wild beers. Hmm. Uh, for sure. It's just this um, delicious sort of play between sour you know sour acidity that's just balanced perfectly and um yeah really delicious beer fantastic so those those are the range those yeah exactly well those (laughs) you're you're stuck drinking for the rest of your time until you're rescued so and it may well be that you enjoy them so much that you don't want to be rescued yeah right (laughs) who knows um so what can is there anything you can tell us about the future of the brewery yeah i mean we've got really big plans. Um, we're ambitious guys here and we want to see the brewery prosper and we want to bring our sort of our brand and our, our take on craft beer to, to more people. So, um, what you can expect from us is we're going to be ramping up the barrel project. We're going to be getting more equipment in for those guys, you know, more barrels. We've got 200 odd, but we're getting more. We're going to get uh, spirit barrels. We're going to move into sort of, you know, that side of uh, BA aging. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get fooders, all, all the things that you associate with a great barrel aging program. We're really yeah. taking that up a level. Uh, from the clean side, we are looking for new premises. We want to expand. We think it's time that we left, uh, left this shell behind and mm-hmm. moved into a, a big place. Uh, so we're actively looking for that, but obviously plans have been halted somewhat recently. Of course. Yeah. Um, and we've got more, um, more products just before this, this podcast goes out, actually. Um, we've got more products going into Tesco, which is, which is a great thing. Um, we have a, uh, Imperial pastry stout going in, uh, called Zia which is a sort of a tiramisu pastry stout. Okay. Which we're really excited for because it's really highly rated. It's one of our, one of our sort of, you know, most well-received beers. Mm. Excited to get that out. Um, yeah. Well, I'll be looking for that. The, the, um, that's a marriage of, of, of just complete two wonderful things for me. Imperial stouts, I, I yeah. love them. And tiramisu. Quite like that too. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Tiramisu uh, pastry stout is uh, it's definitely got my name written all over it. Oh, great. Um, but I mean, let's talk about Tesco because um, obviously there's a lot of talk in the, uh, in the industry. Um, I know that um, one of the 
uh, other podcasts out there, the uh, Beer O'Clock show, the opinion, Opinions, um, they, I think, are going to be talking about supermarket, supermarkets in general, obviously not just Tesco, but what supermarket beers, what the impact has on the industry. Is it is it good or is it bad? And it's interesting to get an, an, um, an opinion from a brewery um, because, of course, I mean, my my take on it, my little vote on on the the uh, survey that they had and the comments were that I didn't think it was quite so clear cut as yes or no, um, mm. because yes, it has its good points, but it also perhaps might have its bad points. Um, yes, it's good because it gets craft beer out there and noticed by people who perhaps only shop at supermarkets and, and wouldn't mm. see it otherwise, yeah. um, and maybe then they would taste this beer and search out other other beers of a similar nature um but then i guess there's the element to to the the prices that the supermarkets pay i mean what's london beer factory's opinion on on this yeah we're right in the heart of that maelstrom let me tell you uh we i can only speak from our experience and say that tesco has been really good for us uh especially especially during coronavirus uh, they've done everything they can to help their suppliers. So they've cut payment terms, they've increased orders, uh, not just as a result naturally of demand, but, um, yeah, they've been really supportive of, of us. And we're, we're one of the smaller, uh, craft breweries in a, in a major supermarket. Yeah. We can be nothing, but, you know, grateful for that and pleased that the demand is there and that Tesco are have the sort of vision to try and satisfy that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as you say, I, I guess the, the thing is that there perhaps were uh, many people that wouldn't know of your beers if it wasn't for finding them in the, in the supermarket uh, beer aisle. For, for sure. Yeah. Um, almost our best marketing stream is our distribution Tesco. But, uh, but yeah, as you say, everything's a double edge. It's a double edged sword. And, um, and with it naturally comes, um, you know, the not so great sides of, of, uh, things, which is, you know, we have, uh, traditionally struggled to, to keep that balance right between Tesco and, you know, craft beer bottle shops and that side of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, it's good to hear that obviously that, uh, you're, you're, you're doing well out of it. Um, yeah. um, because obviously that's what helps not just yourselves, but and you know the industry in general go forward and and grow from strength to strength. Obviously, the 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 issue of the small brewers duty relief uh, is another factor. I'm sure that that, that will probably have an impact on you, um, but we won't go into that at the moment because I'm sure yeah. I'm sure there's there's a whole lot that can be said about that and uh, and that could probably take up a whole a whole podcast. Um, so uh, one of the other beers that you, that you gave me that uh, I, I still still got uh, chilling at the moment, but is the the Gosa, uh, which yeah. was the the pink lemonade. Pink lemonade, yeah, and, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, lemonade Gosa with Himalayan pink salt. Himalayan pink salt and hibiscus. And hibiscus, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very interesting sounding beer. I, I don't know if I've ever had something uh, like that. So I, I'm actually really, really looking forward to, to trying that because uh, it, it's quite a unique take. Um, now, that was a winner of your Instagram uh, competition. Yeah, uh, to, to yeah, exactly. Choose what you would brew next. Um, 
and you've got some quite interesting, I mean, I've got a, a kind of vested... Uh, you've got a horse <laughs> in this race, interest you? <laughs> in saying that you had some really interesting other suggestions, <laughs> as well as that wonderful suggestion that won, um, because I was the uh, suggestion that was in the final, uh, alongside the, uh, the, the Gosa, and that was the Crunchy Bar, um, or obviously you wouldn't be able to call it a Crunchy because of uh, copyright, but the yeah. Honeycomb Chocolate Bar. The generic Honeycombs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Make my day. Tell me that you're going to be brewing that. We are 100% going to be <laughs> brewing a generic honeycomb chocolate bar flavored stout for sure. Fantastic. Well, I really we can't get enough of it. Yeah. No, I really look forward to that as well as the, uh, the, the Zia that you mentioned as well, the Tiramisu yeah. one. Fantastic. Well, James, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thanks so much, Paul. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. And thank you again for the beers as well. Really enjoying these and going to enjoy trying the, the, the pink lemonade goes through as well. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks to James from London Beer Factory for joining me this week. As mentioned earlier, Manchester Brewery Marble will be my guest next time, and that should be live on Wednesday, 16th of September. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My IDs on both of those are at Beer Prime UK. And subscribe to this podcast too to get alerts when a new episode is launched. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye.